we got another three hours on this podcast. So not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! All right, Ryan. Price. And in that moment, the fervor for Drupal was born. No, is that not what we're saying? No, yeah, definitely. Howard Dean had literally just found out that uh, Drupal 4.7 was going to have a rudimentary forms API. That's pretty exciting news. <laughs> yeah. And now we have inline form errors. You see, this is how we bring it back mm. to modern day. So uh, this is the Drupal Easy Podcast. Uh, I guess that's what Mike was trying to say. Right, and Price, you're supposed to be doing the intro. Uh, it's going to get confusing today because we've got multiple Ryans, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I am your host, Ryan Price. It is a lovely spring day here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we've been having some fantastic weather here. So to everybody else for whom spring has not arrived yet, this is for you. Anyway, um, Mr. Michelangelo, are you here on the call today? What's my name? <laughs> <laughs> Murner, Murner. That guy over there. Hey, what's happening, Mr. Price? How are you? Wonderful. And also on the call, we have Ted Bowman. Hi. Good, good to be What's on. What's up, Ted? Oh, uh, you know, just enjoying. We have spring. I know it's spring because my dog wants to spend her whole day outside in the yard. I know it's spring because I can't breathe. <laughs> the unnamed voice that you hear there is the other Ryan. That is Ryan Srama, not Ryan Shwarma. Shwarma. <laughs> I don't know if you are if you are a regular podcast listener, Ryan, but uh, it was a couple weeks ago. Ted, I think he was he was getting hungry, or he had just watched no, no. the Avengers. I'm not sure. Uh, sorry about that. I, I yeah. Hey, <laughs> did I, I'll, did I'll I take Shwarma. Did I say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, so we have did, an action. Did I say it like that? And did today. Ryan bring it up? <laughs> <laughs> Did Ryan bring it up? <laughs> I think this is just the continued, uh, what do you call it, initiation for uh, Ted having hosted the show all by himself. is It's just it's just part of like the breaking in process. I'm sorry, Ted. So yes, action-packed show for you today. Uh, obviously, we'll be talking a lot about uh, the commerce guys and their, their work on uh, some project that they have. Um, and also some Drupal news. So, uh, let's get right down to it. Our guest today is of course, Ryan Zarama. Ryan, it says here that you are the president and CEO of Commerce Guys. Sounds very important. Yeah. Do we not have like a sound clip we can cue up for that? Hail to the King or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm picturing Duke Nukem staring into a bathroom mirror. Uh, no, um, that, that may be way too niche of a reference. Um, Yeah. So that's a that's a new thing for us here. Well, because there was a recently there was a change at the company. Am I right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, um, uh, Commerce Guys split from Platform.sh, and that was effective on February one, and um, that basically saw me part ways with my two remaining partners in the business, uh, Fred Play um, and Damien Tornude, who continue on as the CEO and CTO of. Uh, platform.sh respectively. Um, so in the whole shakeup, um, I was actually able to acquire the, um, 
Drupal Commerce side of the business and relocated here to humble Greenville, South Carolina, and um, take over the mantle of president slash CEO. Awesome. Maybe this is still a little inside baseball, but you know, is that sort of like in the? Uh, oh, I, okay. I'm gonna. I was about to make a reference, and now I don't have it. Uh, in the innovator's dilemma. There we go. Did did uh, you know some people consider consider themselves the innovators, and some people consider themselves the dilemma? Uh, that's not even a very nice way to ask that question. But oh, do you man. get what I'm getting at, Ryan? One one company cannot support a startup and its main line of business. Yeah. So I think it makes a lot of sense for that kind of thing to happen, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. What happened? Um, you know, I, I'd actually been advocating for for this sort of a, a reconciliation, if you will. Um, for probably over a year, um, you know, just, just strongly feeling that, um, the, the future was separate, not cause I didn't like my partners or platform.sh. Um, but just to, to like really acknowledge the reality that, um, if you're trying to, to create a big product like platform.sh, um, but it's still tied to a services business, um, you're, you're always cannibalizing revenue from one or the other to support the other. So, um, in a good month for consulting, um, you know, instead of being able to reinvest profits in growing the consulting business or saving for the future or whatever, um, you know, you end up investing all of that money into your product. And then in a bad month um, for the consulting side, or let's just say maybe even just a fluke of billing, um, you know, you end up sucking cash from the product business in order to maintain cash flow on the services side. Um, and so separating the two was really the, the, the easiest, cleanest way for both to proceed, not at the expense of the other. Right. And yeah, this, this is just, it's just smart to do. Um, you know, you, you can't have your cake and eat it. You can't have a startup and, uh, an existing company. I mean, we even saw like in a really, you know, famous example recently, Google, they split their mm. company up into a whole bunch of different smaller companies mm-hmm. so that, you know, one wouldn't look like it was failing or succeeding. You know, they, they now have essentially separate companies for all these yeah. different things. So, so there are, there are lots of good reasons to do this. And, uh, I, this is, this is me giving uh, applause. <laughs> I just love yeah, the fact that it, somehow Ryan, you just compared, um, uh, commerce guys and platform with yeah, Google yeah. on a, on a completely level playing field, which you know yeah, is yeah. fantastic. <laughs> we're, we're we're in the same league, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm I'm pretty. I've been pretty excited, you know, ever since I got this whole spin out proposal approved by our board. I think it was last October when I made the pitch, um, and just you know getting to keep. Um, uh, really like the core Drupal commerce team together is just a huge joy. Um, but then also in, you know, acquiring the parts of the business I was able to, um, to acquire, you know, we really were set up to do well from day one. Um, as you know, putting my business owner hat on now, um, it, it certainly was nerve wracking, <laughs> um, starting from scratch with, you know, three full-time employees and no money in the bank. Um, but you know, our, our, we had a pretty pretty solid reputation. Um, our brand is still strong, and we we were able to to carry on delivering business to former clients that made this whole transition go well for us. 
and then I, I'm sure you saw the news as well. And this isn't a podcast about platform, but the separation actually helped them in their pursuit of winning Magento's business to become the uh, the essentially like the cloud provider for or the 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 pass provider, platform as a service provider for Magento Enterprise Cloud Edition. And you know, it's it's hard to conceive of that sort of a relationship happening while they were still tied to Drupal Commerce. Um, similarly, you know, not being tied to platform.sh now lets us do, you know, newer, interesting things on our side as well. Um, and, uh, also just, just having that much lighter footprint where everybody that's a part of the team is actually a, a, a billable revenue generating resource and senior Drupal developer is just phenomenal. So, uh, you know, one question, one question that kind of jumped out at me when, when, um, a commerce guy split off is how does commerce guys actually make money? Is it is it just yeah. through um, you know through consulting or I know that you guys have a couple of um, I guess you call them affiliates. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, it's it's several different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one goes back to I think it was oh shoot DrupalCon Denver. I'm pretty sure it was DrupalCon Denver where where I was able to give a talk about Commerce Kickstart 2.x. And and how that became what what I believe is like the first you know self sustaining um, Drupal distribution and that like the distribution itself funded its own you know developer time and um, you know resulted in residual contracts affiliate relationships if you will with various service providers in the uh, sort of e commerce ecosystem who are willing to uh, you know support the project in exchange for you know access to the thousands and thousands of, of Drupal based merchants out there. Um, so that, that sort of those relationships, um, actually just about took care of, you know, two thirds of our payroll, um, whenever we were starting out the new business. So if you, if you picture like commerce guys, the big company with platform.sh and a U.S. services team and a European services team, you know, that revenue was kind of like a nice to have, but it was never like moving the needle anywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you suddenly carve out that along with the core maintenance team and just have three guys that you have to support, um, that, that revenue was a lot more meaningful and, and really gave me the confidence, you know, to branch off in this direction. So the rest of our money, of course, is, is coming from consulting like any other Drupal shop. Um, you know, we're, we're typically doing more high-end architectural consulting um, some of our engagements are more like DevOpsy, like, hey, here's how to actually um, run and build an e-commerce site and continue to deploy new features over time without breaking everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, then then the odd sort of like support contract here and there where I'm, I'm not sure that it's support in the traditional sense, but it's kind of like, you know, big sites that have Drupal Commerce running. And they kind of just want some senior developer's time to, to hack away on improving the performance of Drupal Commerce itself. Um, so oftentimes, if you look at like the release notes for Commerce 1.12 um, that I was able to roll, oh, shoot, I feel like it was the end of last month, but it might have been, been the beginning of this month. You know, there are a lot of patches in there related to performance tweaks, and, and oftentimes those are coming through those support retainers and one-off consulting engagements. Um, so that's kind of like the basic idea. Um, but commerce guys future, you know, looks, looks to kind of continue to build that residual income base through the, um, the affiliates that you mentioned, Mike, um, it's our, um, delivery partners for projects in the U S and Canada and a delivery partner for projects in France, Switzerland, Belgium, and Luxembourg. So the, the idea here is that like this whole spin out 
of Commerce guys separating from Platform.sh um, actually involved these two other ac uh, actors. So you had Acromedia in Canada, Actualis in France, and these companies actually bought the, the majority of Commerce guys' um, previous consulting business. Um, so um, they, they also acquired the teams. Um, so our Commerce Guys France team is the same team, even though it operates under the Actualis banner. Um, and then the Acromedia team was already uh, actually a pretty solid Drupal Commerce team. And they just augmented their team a little bit with former Commerce Guys like Josh Miller. Um, give him a shout out because he's actually up in Kelowna, British Columbia right now um, with his first on-site with his new team. Um, but we continue to have a very good relationship with them where... You know, commerceguys.com is, is frankly a pretty decent lead generating machine and there's certainly more work coming through there that, than a three-man team could ever hope to deliver. Um, and so uh, we partner with those two companies whether based on whether the lead comes in through the U.S. or Europe um, to deliver those projects and that you know results in ongoing consulting opportunities for our core team. Um, and then the kind of like the, the last piece of the puzzle that we expect to fall into place long term um, is managed e-commerce engagements. Um, so, so picture like, I don't know what this would look like outside of the e-commerce world, um, but it's it's a pretty known model within the e-commerce space where I would build your site, manage all of your technology. You would use it as a marketing platform and manage your business through it. But ultimately, like you're paying us a percentage of transactions in order for us to 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 manage that mm -hmm. store like it were our own. And that's that's the kind of like the, the final revenue stream that we're looking to put together. And right now, it's, that's really early. Um, really just managing to, to run some prototypes for like launch customers, basically. So there's four of you right now at Commerce Guys, four full-time developers, right? Uh, that's true. And that's actually a recent oh. development. So um, we recently welcomed Doug Cohn to the team. Um, so it's um, myself. Um, then you have Boyan Zivanovich, who's still primarily full-time on Commerce2.x development. Um, he may pinch hit here and there a few hours on a consulting gig, but by and large, he's 100% contrib. Mm -hmm. And then Matt Glomman, who's our senior Drupal consultant and um, kind of heads up our, our big ticket uh, consulting opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, so then those three guys were, or well, me and those two guys were the original commerce guys that came into the new biz. And then Doug Cohn um, actually just started on Monday um, and has been you know, a great addition to the team from day one. So, so what uh, percent? Apparently, he. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, just, I, I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna shut up. Oh no, you're supposed to keep talking as the guest. Oh, my bad, my bad. Okay, <laughs> uh, Doug apparently was actually at DrupalCon Chicago, and he heckled me from the audience, um, and I, I didn't, I, I didn't remember that. But uh, he lives in Greenville, South Carolina. I relocated here four years ago, and so we just had this sort of like casual connection, and then. Um, decided to give uh, working together a shot as of this Monday. So oh, wow. pretty good. So, so what percentage of uh, yours and his time is um, dedicated to uh, commerce uh, 2.x? Oh, so, you know, Boyan is like 98% commerce 2.x. Right. Um, Matt is probably around 15 to 20%. Um, and then honestly, like, apparently spinning out a, a business from another business is really complicated. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm still finalizing all of like the, you know, the, all the spin out stuff, wrapping up loose ends, um, transferring ownership of this account and that account and so on and so forth. Um, so I haven't really been able to touch much of 2.x beyond, 
you know, wireframe reviews, architecture reviews, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, for me, it's a couple hours here and there, but then I also still maintain Commerce1.x. And so that's where like the uh, um, 1.12 release and then the security release for 1.13 came from. Awesome. Well, um, we do want to ask you a bunch about commerce, but before we do, we're going to have a word from our sponsor, mydropwizard.com. Uh, faithful listeners to our podcast will remember uh, David Snowpeck was on a couple of episodes ago talking about the issue of Drupal 6 long-term support. And MyDropWizard is one of the vendors who is providing that Drupal long-term support uh, now that Drupal 6 is end of life, um, they do want to point out that they also have uh, support for Drupal 7 and Drupal 8 sites, and those uh, plans are actually tend to be 20% cheaper than the Drupal 6 plans. Um, and they label, uh, they're sorry, they white label their maintenance and support plans. So if you want, uh, when your client calls up the MyDrop Wizard, you know, phone number, they can answer the phone as, you know, hello, Drupal Easy or hello, Commerce Guys. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you're a freelancer, they'll do the same thing. And um, what else do I need to say here? Uh, you can focus on building the next project and making your next deadline, and they'll keep your client's site supported and secure while maintaining a positive relationship with them. So they're more likely to come back to you for their next project or feature that they need. Uh, do check out mydropwizard.com. And then they have a URL, which we will put in the show notes, which is Drupal-6-LTS. And also, we, we want to mention um, that just yesterday, there was a, a, a Drupal 6 security update for the views module, um, which there, there's not a new views update for Drupal 6. It's just, you know, kind of the deal moving forward since Drupal 6s and modules are no longer officially supported. There are patches available and they're free to get. You can get them, you know, from um, uh, from the issue queue, but a new release isn't going to be uh, re-rolled. But if you engage my drop wizard, they will automatically apply all of, you know, this views patch and any other patches um, that affect your site in the future. So it's kind of like a, you know, you engage them for your Drupal 6 site or 7 or 8 site and you, you, you can kind of stop worrying about, oh, I have to get to that patch or I have to, I have to, you know, make sure all my modules are updated. They take care of all of that stuff for you. Um, and that's especially important these days if you still have a Drupal 6 site where you're not going to get the email anymore saying, hey, there's an update, a security update for the views module. Very good. And we thank MyDropWizard.com for their support of the Drupal Easy podcast. And uh, if I understand it, they are uh, going to be continuing support. So uh, look forward to hearing more from them soon. All right. Um, I think this is the uh, the part that a lot of people, if they saw Ryan's name on the on the title bar of their podcatcher, is they've been waiting to hear all about Flossing. Google Commerce. Oh, shoot. Flossing. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, always dental hygiene with Ryan on the podcast. But um, Drupal Commerce for Drupal 8, we have a couple questions. Um, specifically, it looks like there uh, is an update uh, to a website here that we're going to check out. Oh, I man. really have not read too many of the notes, but uh, <laughs> where, where do we start? How do we how do we begin tackling this giant subject, which is e-commerce on Drupal and specifically Drupal eight? 
I oh, think man. Ted, you, and myself, we should all just put our microphones on mute and just let you know Ryan go for like twenty minutes and oh, see geez. what happens. <laughs> the Ryans are just Ryan Price. That sounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, Either I, one sounds dangerous. You know, let's start. You know, let's start. Um, uh, Ryan Azrama. Um, you know, for someone who hasn't been paying attention and doesn't know like where like is. Where's Drupal Commerce for Drupal 8? Is it almost done? Is it, is it, has it not been started yet? Or what's the plan for it? For someone who's yeah. kind of, you know, just kind of been in, in their own little world and, and doesn't really know what's going on, why don't you kind of provide an overview? Then we can dive in from there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for, let's say for, for the, the hypothetical person who's just now realizing that Drupal 8 is a thing, hmm. um, you know, what I would say is, you know, Drupal Commerce for Drupal 8 started um, long before we opened the 2.x branch. And long before we had a Drupal 8 release, um, it started at a sprint, oh shoot, two years ago in Paris, um, where we essentially, we formalized our plan to like take getting off the island uh, in exports. We're trying to uh, to balance out here our, our free trade agreement with the rest of the PHP world um, and, and actually export more of what we know um, to the broader PHP world in a set of standalone libraries before we ever even began to write our module code. Um, and so Drupal 8, as hopefully our listeners are tangentially aware, um, uses Composer, um, which is this, this code composition tool um, that lets you manage the, the libraries and modules and other projects that your site or your code base depends on um, from a command line interface. For, for those coming at this purely from the Drupal world, you know, it's, it's like the drush make of the broader PHP world. Um, and, you know, more than likely is the drush make of the future. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a religious war I just stepped into mm, without even talking about it. Well played. <laughs> um, but the, the idea here is that um, there, there are parts of Drupal Commerce on Drupal 7 that, like, don't need to be sitting in our modules. And these are things like currency formatting, um, locale-specific currency formatting, which we didn't even support in 1.x, but we support in our library. Um, general number formatting, you know, from region to region, um, along with other things related to addressing taxes, address groups, and so on. And we were able to, to pull off some really incredible things, just kind of with a little bit of chutzpah, um, such as, um, you know, petitioning Google to let us uh, repackage the address data set from the Android SDK and relicense it um, for distribution in our library, um, such that Drupal Commerce 2.x and any project that depends on the Commerce Guys addressing library um, now has full locale-specific address form formatting, address print formatting, and a certain degree of um, address element validation um, just by using that standalone library. So then, of course, after we wrote that library, we then created the Drupal 8 address module that uses that library um, and... Uh, you know, implements that inside of the Drupal Forms API, but other projects similarly use that library um, either in standalone uh, Symfony applications or other SaaS tools. So that's been like a really incredible story. And I know Boyan has told it a few times. I, I can't say what which is the best presentation to, to reference back to, um, but at the very least, you could look at our talk from DrupalCon LA, um, but then we'll be delivering an update in DrupalCon New Orleans where we'll highlight that as well. But that's, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, that, that's kind of like if, you know, everyone knows the views module. That'd be like if you kind of like took out like the query engine out yeah. of the views module and put that in a library that, 
you know, you don't necessarily need to, you know, utilize Drupal to access that library. You can access that library from any PHP application. So that's, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's exactly. a pretty major architectural change. So what, what led up to that thing? You know, was that just you guys taking, you know, Larry Garfield's get off the island mantra a little bit yeah. too seriously or? Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, <laughs> I, I can't remember. Um, I can't remember what the spark was. Um, I, I, I know it goes back to, to the, the planning and preparation for that sprint conversations with Damien and with Boyan and, you know, what could we really do here? Um, at that sprint, we also had Fabian Potencier, um, as you know, the, the creator of Symphony because he, his office isn't too far from ours there in Paris. And, um, he was able to validate the approach, help us plan out that a little bit. Um, in fact, Symphony's adopted our INTL library, um, for future versions. That's the, uh, internationalization library that we use for, uh, locale specific number formatting. I, I don't know if they're doing currency formatting in, in, uh, Symphony itself, but, you know, so that, that all kind of came together then. And those libraries, those libraries, those are not, you know, those are not on Drupal.org. Those are like correct. On, yeah, like they're GitHub. just up on uh, GitHub.com/slash/commerceguys, and uh, you, you can find them in there. So there's uh, five or six of them now. An enum library, the the tax and addressing libraries, zone library for address zones, um, and then the intl and currency libraries for for currency formatting. I, I know I walked away for a second, but um, have we brought up Packagist yet? Mm-mm. So, right, I mean, like, we have Drupal.org, is we know how to find all the Drupal modules. Mm-hmm. They're all on Drupal.org, except for they're starting to migrate off of Drupal.org, which hurts me as a Drupal user. But, um, you know, for people that are just doing general PHP projects, you know, other than just going to GitHub and typing PHP currency or Google or something, there is Packagist, right, that is sort of Correct. like our version of the project module where they've got all the projects are collected in this one place. And that's actually right. That's kind of how composer or at least one of the sources that you can have with composer to download and maintain those projects. Yep. Yep. In fact, if you um, go and look at, uh, if you, if you search on packages just for commerce guys as one word, um, you'll see that the handful of libraries that uh, Boyan has been able to publish up there. So um, that's probably the easiest way to find them. On the on the Drupal side, this is still stored and seen as like a regular field, the address field, or is it changed on the Drupal side? Oh, exactly. Yeah, it is a field, and um, the the widget just implements the um, the the class and the the data that you're getting from the addressing library to know how to um, build the address form based on the country and based on the locale. Um, so, you know, an example there is that in, in China. If you're um, if you're shipping to a Chinese address and you're in Chinese and, and you're viewing the site in Chinese versus English, the um, address form fields are reversed. So you have to be able to to, to handle that sort of regional um, difference. And it goes back to the library for like validation and stuff like that. Yep, yep. So we can do some simplistic validation there. Obviously, we still um, you know, we'll, we'll integrate with third party services for more robust like full on postal address verification. I think what's really interesting about uh, about this is I think that things like this are really going to push people to kind of have to learn Composer a little bit more and understand it a little bit more because yeah. there's a lot of people who use the address module for, you know, events, you know, rather than yep. for commerce. And in D8, if you want to use the address module, you just can't download and install that module. You actually you have to be able to download and install that module and run Composer Update. 
in order to get that new library. Unless that's changed yep. in the past month or so, but I don't think it has, has it? Um, we'd have to ask Boyan. I don't know. You might <laughs> but, know a little bit more. <laughs> right. But it's, it's, it's not as simple as just downloading and enabling or installing the module. There, there's an, an extra step there in order to get the library, you know, onto your system in the right place. And that library right. is not on Drupal.org, as we said, but it's, you know, it's up on GitHub. Right. But it's way easier than it used to be where you would have to like download this thing and put it in this folder and then rename it from like a hash string, whatever. If you have composer set up, which you really should at this point, right? You should just be able to hit a button basically. And it just goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we felt, you know, very strongly about composer for some time now. And so, you know, Boyan was maintaining the uh, composer manager module for a while and actually dedicated a significant portion of his time to improving composer support, not just in Drupal core, um, but also in the composer project itself. And so that's a, you know, another one of these artifacts of just like taking a, um, you know, sort of P- we're PHP first, Drupal second, which is, that's not entirely true. Like, obviously, like, we're heart and soul Drupal developers, but there, there's a lot to be gained by, by just sort of at least having this outside in perspective. Um, because now we can say, well, hey, um, composer, give us a way to do, um, a shallow install where we're not fetching the full Git history of Drupal every time we go to build a new Drupal commerce project, you know, which, which includes the full repo all the way back to Drupal 1.0.0, you know, so that, you know, being him being able to, to you know push forward shallow clones, for example, like that—that's one of the examples of how by by getting off the island, we're able to influence these other projects for the good of everybody, but then also to make Drupal itself better. Have you heard of any other um, like field-related modules doing this? I think something like you know, there's tons of mapping modules in Drupal seven. Mm. It seems like this would be a really good use case for for like mapping going forward where possibly using a PHP library that's not just a Drupal module. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Hopefully in the future, hopefully this will yeah. be like a way push push people in this direction. Yeah, I would, and and honestly like the the way that we view it and the way that I, I viewed it back whenever we were kicking off the um the 2.x initiative and you know kind of intentionally starting elsewhere first um is that just just like commerce guys was able to push ahead this idea that like everything can be a fieldable entity on Drupal seven. You know, if you'll recall, like we didn't have a full entity API or rules or views or Drupal seven core whenever we started commerce one dot X. And so we got to be the Guinea pig and push forward a lot of the, the architecture around a, a complex system of, you know, interrelated entities. Now we're trying to say, well, what, what's the new thing we can sort of lead the way on for Drupal eight. And it seems to be this idea that like, we can make more of our code available to the broader PHP community, find collaborators from outside our community. So yeah, I mean, um, that, that's already happening with FoxyCard. Um, they're, they're technically a competitor, um, but by having them involved um, in using our libraries, they actually made our tax library better. Um, so this was specifically, uh, let's see, extending it to support calculating and collecting VAT properly for a US-based business um, that has certain tax nexuses in the EU that they have to collect for. Um, and, and so like, yeah, we could try to like cut them out and keep it all inside Drupal and inside our Drupal commerce modules, but shoot, like, when are we going to have time to go out and research this stuff and, and get it in? Like, that's just not possible. Same with addressing, um, by having the library out there sooner, uh, we've actually, you know, Boyan Zivanovich is now technically a contributor to Android because, we've been able to push address formatting and validation fixes back upstream, even into the Android SDK. 
Um, so it, it's, it really is like one of those examples where sure, like we may not want to, to help the quote unquote competition, but this is really like not, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like business application logic that should be proprietary or that anyone has a competitive advantage by making it proprietary. Um, so, you know, it's a really a no brainer for us anyways, to, to find ways to collaborate. And we actually, uh, recently we were able to speak with the, um, the CTO of Oro Commerce, which, which spun out of, um, Magento, gosh, two years ago, the guy was super nice. His name is Dima. And he just spent a lot of time, you know, hearing out what we were doing with the libraries, where Drupal Commerce was headed, um, gave us the update on where Oro was headed and, and even, you know, said, Hey, like when we get a chance, like we'll look at integrating your libraries because why reinvent the wheel? They're already, you know, using composer. I'm pretty sure they're a symphony based application. Um, so like there's no reason for us not to collaborate. Um, and at, at the end of the day, like, you know, Magento is winning business based on their marketing and their affiliate network. Um, similarly, Drupal Commerce projects will be won based on the marketing and affiliate networks, not just of Commerce Guys, but of every Drupal Commerce um, related agency out there. I mean, mo- most major Drupal companies are are pitching and winning pretty decent, uh, decently sized e-commerce builds using Drupal Commerce. And that's that's where it, it matters. I mean, yeah. So I, I know you kind of poo-pooed your own question, but I, I think that that really just feels more risky to people, I guess, that, that don't understand what it takes to actually sell, um, to actually find a lead, find an opportunity, um, and then convince somebody to buy your e-commerce application. And at the end of the day, right. they probably aren't even looking at a features list. They're, they're really just looking for a promise. Um, yes, you will make more money, and here's here's how we're going to help you do it. It definitely feels like to me when I talk to people that do a lot of e-commerce projects that like there's almost like a separate competition space for for e-commerce jobs than there are for just like you know different kinds of Drupal jobs. I guess is that would you would you think that's that's pretty accurate? I I would I would say so. Um, you know where Commerce Guys was going head to head on on large bids and and where our affiliates and partners are. Um, oftentimes what, what you'll see in those, those opportunities isn't, um, you know, multiple Drupal agencies pitching Drupal commerce against one another, or even multiple Drupal agencies pitching different e-commerce platforms against each other. It's typically going to be like a select Magento agency. And then there's commerce guys with Drupal commerce, and then maybe a hybris and demandware representative. Um, so what, what you're seeing is it's, it's more about the, uh, it's more about the, the technology and the, the, the total platform than it is, well, which, which Drupal agency is probably going to have the best process or have the best creative or understand my industry and my needs the best. And I, I mean, that said, I don't have a lot of experience selling, you know, in higher ed or in, um, you know, healthcare or entertainment or government. So I, I can't say that those aren't equally as competitive at the technology level when people are getting those bids, but, um, you know, I, I guess we'll leave that for your next uh, your next podcast to contradict me. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, take a step back for a second. So um, you've mentioned that there's been a lot of work that's have gone into these libraries, um, and I believe right now we're sitting at 8.x-2.0 alpha three. So what yep. is what's the timeline look for? You know, a beta and a release candidate and, and a full release moving yeah. forward. 
Yeah, so um, let's see. So Bion's been cracking on the the Drupal module side of things at least since uh, since LA. Um, oh, okay. He, he'd have to correct me on the uh, the precise time that we switched gears from, you know, putting the the spit polish on our our libraries and switching into to module land. Um, you know, it started of course with um, the address module, um, and then there was some preliminary work done in inline entity form. Now he's also a co-maintainer on the Entity API. The Composer Manager stuff had to happen. Core Drupal stuff had to get pushed through. And we got to a point now where with the, the commerce modules themselves, um, we're about to push up, probably within the next two to three days, a um, an alpha four um, that includes the checkout, the checkout form. Um, so I, I'll, um, I'll hit you up with links to the relevant roadmap issues that show where um, cart, checkout, payment, et cetera, are. Um, and then I, I'm not sure if we have like a single meta issue for like a, a beta release or not. But right now, our our, our original goal was to show up in uh, New Orleans with a, a release candidate. Um, but we've sort of revised that down. Um, we're going to have, um, you know, what we would call a production ready beta. Now, production ready is not feature complete. It just means that um, the underlying systems have been thoroughly tested. They have test coverage. You know, we, we're, we're standing behind these systems that have been implemented. Um, and we're maintaining an upgrade path from one beta to the next until we hit RC. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm sure that we'll still be doing core systems development after beta one. So for example, it will have a, a rudimentary pricing API, um, but it will have, you know, the ability to create a product catalog, assign these products to stores, set up their attributes and options and create all your variants using the inline entity form and so on and so forth. All that stuff will work. Um, the shopping cart checkout form will work. Um, and shopping cart, uh, I'm sorry, the add to cart form, including attribute selection and all that. Um, and then of course, you know, we'll have a payment API and, and one or two launch payment gateways. Um, you know, the, the usual reference implementations are like authorized.net for direct credit card processing and then a PayPal or Braintree for that sort of offsite or hybrid um, flow. So, so we'll, we'll be at, uh, you know, JubilCon New Orleans with those things in hand. Um, but then in RC, like we'll, we'll kind of have to reforecast that once we get the beta out. So does, um, does the 2.0 version, um, does it leverage other Drupal modules like the 1.0 version did like views and, and, and rules and things like that? Um, yeah, I'm, I actually don't believe we've baked in rule support yet. <laughs> Yeah, because I was wondering because rules is not. Where, yeah. yeah, rules is you know I think they're miles. They're, I think they did one more milestone to be feel feature complete. I believe is what I read. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that's kind of been sidelined, but um, obviously we're still a, a big part of the um, development of inline entity form. And for our, our listeners that aren't aware, inline entity form is this module um, that lets you turn any entity reference field um, into like a, a a creation or edit form right on the sort of parent entities form. So picture a node um, that references other nodes. So like a, um, a book node that references author nodes. Well, you would have the option to either reference an existing author node or create a new one right in line on the book nodes form. And that's how we accomplish in, in Commerce 1.x the uh, sort of rational, if you will, way to build your product displays. Instead of requiring merchants to go off and create all of their product entities first and then go create their displays. You can just use the inline entity form module to let them create the, the full product page all in one form. Um, so for commerce 2.x, we're actually making that a requirement um, so that there is no more, ah, how do I have a rational product edit form? 
Um, cause honestly, like that's, that's probably been, been the most consistent critique of Drupal commerce, you know, ever since, you know, so I, I again, not sure what the, uh, the, the history here is for people that are listening, but, um, I wrote Ubercart 1.x along with my co-maintainer Lyle Mantooth. And we had this sort of ability to create any number of SKUs on the fly from the product edit page. Now these, these were kind of like dumb SKUs, if you will, in the sense that you're just sort of tagging a whole bunch of attributes that should be on that product and then assigning them SKUs based on the selected attributes. But these are all just like anonymously stored in a, in a, a text column in the database. Whereas in Drupal Commerce, we're, we're forcing the definition of every SKU. But in Commerce 1.x, we didn't have that one form yet out of the box when we launched. Um, and that really tripped up a lot of people because they saw this as like too cumbersome. So inline entity form in 1.x was the solution to that, but it never really propagated out, I guess, through the whole community. Um, unless you were coming in through Commerce Kickstart 2.x, which has it by default. Um, but in Commerce 2.x, we're really trying to focus on the out-of-the-box user experience from the get-go. And so requiring IEF is a big part of that. Um, additionally, we're being more opinionated about what happens on the checkout form um, to try to keep people from shooting themselves in the foot or using uh, less secure payment method options. Um, and and, and just, just in general, trying to be more uh, opinionated as like the the software vendor or publisher, if you will, of Drupal commerce as to what constitutes like a good solid e-commerce build. Um, so, so ideally, you know, every Drupal shop out there shouldn't have to discover that trying to um, manually account for sales tax in the U S is a bad idea. Um, ideally, um, everybody will know that instead you should be using some sort of a tax automation service like Avalara, um, to, to handle all the complexities of different rates and locale specific rates. And, you know, like I, we could have a whole podcast on the sales tax, so I won't go into it, but like, there's just a lot of complexity there. And like, we're going to say, Hey, like the best practice is to automate this. And that's going to be better for your merchant and better for you as the developer here. Use this tool. We've already integrated it. Here's kind of a way to onboard straight from the UI or whatever it is. Like we're kind of, kind of trying to figure out what the, you know, how, how to express our opinions, you know, best without being annoying. But, um, we, we, you know, we, we think that a lot of the challenges that people had with commerce one.x builds and, and a lot of the issues that we came in on the tail end to consult and to, and to fix, if you will, um, are preventable. Um, and so, so hopefully we'll be able to make commerce to that except a more pleasant experience out of the box for developers and for end users. It sounds like you have made a lot of improvements to the the user experience for the the content creators. I'm also wondering about for those people who are, um, in my personal opinion, a little fanatical about this subject, and they don't actually want to use Drupal's you know HTML interface anymore. Is is it possible right now to you know add something to your cart and check out using only a REST API? Uh, shoot. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to go and see how well we're, we're integrated there with the um, core RESTful web services module. I, I, I don't know of anything that would prevent it, but you would just essentially be having to create these entities directly yourself, um, which would kind of require the, the REST, um, the, 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 the client to know more of the business logic than it ought to have to know. Um, so I, ideally you'd have a way to, um, have the server handle some of the like cart management and pricing logic. And uh, we, we haven't done anything on that side yet. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good short answer at least. 
Cool. Yeah, but the just, I'm sure somebody has that question. So yeah, and and honestly, it's it's been a big interest of mine um, ever since I hit up the first Rest Fest here in Greenville, South Carolina. I think it was three years ago, and just kind of got exposed to, um, I guess the the wonders of Rest um, and hypermedia. Um, like I, I'm all about some Hal and also collection plus JSON. The Hal being the um, um, hypermedia content type that's supported by Drupal Core, collection plus JSON being a hypermedia content type that's just a, a little bit better suited to managing collections and traversing them. Um, like I, in my ideal world, we would have like a full hypermedia um, based, or I guess like a hyper Drupal implementation of commerce where you can start at the root of the API and navigate the product catalog, add products to the cart, check out, et cetera. Um, and have that all be sort of discoverable from within the, the API responses themselves. I, I'm kind of going off on a broad tangent here, but I, I wrote about this at hyperdrupal.org and it was this grand ambition I had and what I wanted to focus on for Drupal 8. And then I got too busy and I didn't do anything with it <laughs> like a goober. <laughs> so like, like I do. a short version of that would be like there, when you visit a product page, you get, you know, let's say it's node one and then you'd have to, I guess, know about all of the SKUs that were there. So then you'd have some sort of like a, you know, product slash one slash add to cart or something like that. Right. Yeah. Is that kind of what we're getting at? Yeah. Yeah. Ideally in a, in a REST API, um, the response uh, should be in a, in a content type that supports linking to other, you know, resources. Um, so, so the idea would be if you hit the, um, the root of the API, there may be a, a link in there that gives you a template for how to query the product catalog to search for products. And so the client, if it sees that that sort of a link exists in the API response, um, could be programmed to automatically render that as a search form using whatever parameters um, were, were given to it in this this template. And then, you know, once that form is submitted, you know, the, the, the link template just sort of says, well, you're going to submit a get uh, or a post to this resources URL with, you know, these parameters. And then, you know, the response from that search would then be a list of product pages. And then you maybe see in the links for each of those search results, a, a link to the product page itself, um, or maybe a, a sort of buy now um, post link that would create the relevant line item and so on. And so, so the idea is that every API response links you to the following actions that you can take, almost like this this like giant, uh, you know, uh, abstract hypercard deck, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. where you have all, you know, all of the hot points, if you will, are, are links within the API response that that teach um, an API client how to actually navigate the store. Um, so that, that's kind of like the a full on, you know, RESTful API would support that sort of thing, and I think that'd be magic. I mean, just just imagine us being able to publish a, a single, um, let's say, iOS client um, for our, you know, any Drupal commerce user, they could sort of use that as a template to then build their own custom mobile app. Um, but it's going to connect to any Drupal commerce store because it knows how to look in those API responses to find the relevant links or the, um, you know, the query parameters you could use in searches or what the facets were for the product catalog yeah. and all that kind of thing. Well, and, and I also think about it from sort of like the, you know, even slightly more abstracted thing like, uh, you know, eBay or Alibaba is a really good example of this kind of thing where there's a marketplace of sellers or Etsy. Etsy is a really good one too. Like I want to sell something that I made, uh, you know, I made a pot with a, a Drupal 
you know, head on it that you can store all of your Drupal stickers in. I don't know why, but let's just say it's a <laughs> hand handmade item. And I want to sell this to someone. Right now, my option is to go to Etsy and put it up there because that's where all the users are. Yeah. But if I wanted to sell that myself, I could put that up on my Drupal Commerce instance. And if this API was a real thing, then... Etsy could have an API that would crawl all of these sort of like approved, you know, sellers. And when you bought something, you'd actually be buying it from me instead of from Etsy because yeah. they would be doing all that transaction, you know, over the wire mm-hmm. instead of, uh, instead of, you know, you having to come and directly find me or, or me having to share as much of the, of the the revenue with Etsy because they're the one that's providing the service. Yeah, and that that's kind of one of the the beauties I guess of of rest in general is this idea that like if if all of the actors in this play are using a well-defined self-documented media type like a hal plus json or a collection plus json or something else um even if it's specific to, you know, that's that uh you know, Etsy's application or whatever, like then you can start to network them all together and have you know uh, uh, shoot much much more yeah much more native communication between these sites you know APIs talking to APIs and um, kind of a you know it maybe maybe plays a little bit into Dries's vision here for sort of retaking the open web it's this idea that like my Drupal Commerce store can become this sort of like passive API publisher um, you know just with a click of a button. And, you know, people then that know how to interpret and, and speak with this media type can just sort of make use of it. I think I think that'd be marvelous. Podcast over, we're going to go build it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, maybe the, the one, last, uh, one last feature I can point out from Commerce2.x that uh, um, is in and, um, you know, is, is super interesting is this idea that, like, no longer is the order status just this sort of like anonymous text string on the order object. Um, we're actually forcing more of a, a like order state work managed workflow system on orders. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, if you've used Jira, um, you'd be aware that Jira has multiple types of issues. And as you're defining the types of issues in, in your projects, you're assigning to them different workflows and a workflow diagram, like you could have a, a really simple workflow that simply lets you move things around from any status, you know, to the next um, or to any other status. Um, but often what you find is that the workflow is more complicated because you don't want, um, say, a developer um, moving um, his or her own issue uh, from in development to production. You might want them to be forced to go through a QA step and then have a separate person move that from QA to production. Or there may just be some other requirements that, that prevent you from moving this issue along through the workflow chain. Um, so with orders, you know, we, we had to really rethink how order statuses and states worked. One, because the state status dichotomy in 1.x was kind of confusing, but also it was just limited. Um, you know, we, we need the ability to prevent an order from moving to the completed status um, if it hasn't been fulfilled. And we need to be able to prevent it from moving to fulfillment um, if we don't have a full payment authorization. Now, granted, you might be capturing the payment after fulfillment has been triggered and completed um, based on, you know, what, what type of product you're selling and from where. Um, but, like, we, we needed a way to, to have these sort of checks on, 
um, different status transitions. Also, in 1.x, you know, you, you typically would string together multiple status updates using rules, but just too many people were getting into this situation where um, you, you, you couldn't quite control which version of the order object was being passed into like the follow-on rule. So you, ha- you might have two rules, one, one order status update that then triggers another order status update, but based on when the event got triggered or how deep it was in some hook call stack or something, you, you could end up like losing or overriding data. So, we, you know, we just kind of had to clumsily document, hey, don't do this sort of thing. Um, so this this new order state system is intending to prevent that. But then we also separated out the concept of payment and fulfillment status um, at the line item level from the order status in general. And that's, that's going to support, you know, more interesting workflows such as um, split shipping or partial fulfillment, um, also refunding and managing like the tax refund at the line item level. All of that stuff is pretty complicated if you just sort of have one order level bucket. And so I think, I think we have a slide somewhere that kind of visualizes what that looks like, but, but essentially like anywhere that we were overloading the concept of order status, uh, we're not doing that anymore. Um, and that, that includes whether or not an order should be treated as a shopping cart, um, whether or not prices should recalculate, has it been paid in full, et cetera, et cetera. Given, given that there is so much information that we could cover and so much, so many different areas, we could have a whole podcast just about taxes or we could have a whole podcast just about these, you know, workflow states. Have, have you guys ever done like as commerce guys or, you know, has there, is there like a really big like e-commerce conference or like a place that people can go for more information if this is, their their thing and they're they just want to learn all about it you know we haven't been great about sharing our what i would call like our domain knowledge i mean we i I think we've done a pretty decent job of certainly of documenting our code and then clumsily here and there of documenting our apis at the api level um but there is just a lot of commerce generic domain knowledge that we have that that we we do want to share more with the drupal community um We've had commerce like mini camps as part of bigger events in the past. Um, nothing on the, the the near horizon, partially just because engineering this whole spin out and reorganization took a crap ton of time. Um, that, that's a metric unit. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, you know we're toying with the idea of, of working with our affiliate in Canada, Acromedia, to put together um, a, a sort of mini camp in Kelowna, British Columbia in July. Um, if that were to materialize, we'd announce that on, on the planet soon. Cause we're kind of coming up late here on when, when we should be announcing something like that. Um, we obviously do still give a lot of talks at, uh, Drupal cons and camps. Um, so, so Drupal con New Orleans will be our next big update. Um, the whole team will be in Dublin as well. Um, and then Boyan is also keynoting uh, Drupal Dev Days, where he'll cover a lot of this sort of um, library and broader PHP world interaction um, in his keynote there. So those those are good places to follow along. Um, but honestly, like, I I think we just need to be challenged to do a better job. Um, th- there's a Git book that that's beginning to be that. So if you go to docs.drupalcommerce.org. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to be better about documenting, um, both how to develop with and use Drupal commerce. 
And so you'll find walkthroughs in there from everything on like installing to knowing knowing how to contribute to Drupal Commerce. We cover a lot of how to use Composer. Like for example, you use the create project command now to create a whole new Drupal Commerce test site. That's pretty new and pretty fun. Um, so you can find a lot of that information there. Um, but beyond that, it's kind of up for us to figure out, well, what do we have time for and, and what's the best format? Oh, I, yeah, I'd never seen that doc site before. That's really nice. And there's a, a decent amount of um, information on 2.x in there. Yeah, yeah, 1.x is still mostly just pointing back to DrupalCommerce.org. Yeah. And, and I'll be the first to say that, uh, you know, all of our sites need a bit of love now post-spin-out. Um, you know, I guess it's been almost three months and... It's just one of those things in the early stages of a new company where you feel like you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off just to make sure that you'll be able to to pay your paychecks. Um, but I do feel like you know ending out April here, um, especially with the addition of Doug to the team, like we're in a, in a really good spot to uh, to kind of get our routine down and, and start to pick up a lot of these things that we're languishing for a couple of months. Yeah, the one thing I just found in this documentation that I really like that is a really uh, you know, easy way to get um, Drupal 8 and Commerce 2.x and all the dependencies installed. You guys actually have um, it as a as a project on packages. So you can just use a Composer to, you know, basically run one command and, and get everything you need uh, to install Drupal 8 pl- plus Commerce 2.0. Yeah. That's pretty slick. Yeah, and, and we have, you know, Boyan and, and Matt to thank for all that work. I mean, they've... They've been doing a fantastic job. And I, I'd say, you know, one of the questions I think, Mike, that you would kind of uh, put in our, in our crib notes here was sort of like the international participation. And, and uh, you know, Drupal Commerce has always been, you know, had a, had a fair amount of international collaboration around it. One, just because Commerce Guys was based in both Paris and Ann Arbor. Um, but also because, you know, the, the European community had some very unique requirements and really pitched in to make sure the... Um, uh, you know, the, the framework supported them. Um, but I'd say that, that Boyan has done like an even better job, you know, than I did at, at corralling dedicated, even in some, t- in some cases, contributors from other Drupal agencies and outside companies um, to really help push forward Commerce 2.x, the libraries, um, composer support in Drupal 8 and so on. So like, I, I really can't applaud him enough I would clap now, but I'm sure that would sound funky in my microphone. <laughs> um, but he's he's just been doing a great job leading that project, and so it's you know been been really great that even in the spin out with it being such a a small company to start, you know, just being three guys at first and now four, you know, being able to keep one person dedicated full time on contributed module development, uh, you know, that, that was important to us. And, and fortunately, you know, we had the the history as a business to be able to make that happen. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll increase that as time goes on because. I mean, honestly, like we don't we don't need, you know, a full time consulting schedule out of any of our developers to make our ends meet. And so, right right now, we're really reinvesting much of our time in the the you know the, the platform, the framework itself. All right, very good. Let's move on to some Drupal Easy news. Ryan, you cool with that? We we uh, you get all your questions answered. Well, yeah, I mean. I, I, I uh, am a big fan of Mr. Zorama. I could uh, ask him questions all day, but we could move on. <laughs> Thanks. We'll, we'll I'm also a big fan of hygiene, dental hygiene. I mean, yes. we could talk about that for a while. Don't forget to floss. Um, as my Fair. dentist says, only floss the teeth you want to keep. 
I think we may have gone to the same dentist when we were children. <laughs> my childhood dentist. <laughs> and and also, and, and this is a PSA. I mean, there, there are people out there who've heard that they should floss. Maybe they've tried it, um, but then they kind of got turned off by crappy dental floss. Now, if there's one thing that you cannot buy generic on, it's dental floss. You have to get the Glide. Um, uh, amen, brother. Thin. Like, yeah, the, the other stuff, I mean, it, it frays and you get like threads stuck in your teeth. That's, you know, even worse than getting a piece of meat stuck in there. So splurge, spend the 250 to get the, you know, mile of super thin dental floss. Buy in bulk. So what you're saying Buy is Costco if you're in New Orleans, <laughs> <laughs> if you're in New Orleans and you get some shrimp po' boy stuck in your teeth, mm. look for Ryan's Rama. I will he have will, some in my back pocket. Oh, of Orleans. Maybe get some belt holsters <laughs> for yourself. Yes, yes. So you just... I, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to do this now for what it's worth. So I, I will have floss on my person. I'm um, seeing a Commerce Guy's floss swag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I'm going to have to try to make it happen. Like, instead of a bat belt, are you going to get like a wombat belt? Okay, Drupal Easy News. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's going for a Zorama joke, man. <laughs> Ted and I are teaming up for introduction to Drupal 8 module development in New Orleans on the training day on Monday of, of uh, DrupalCon week. Um, it, if you are interested in learning how to uh, build modules for Drupal 8, if you are a PHP developer coming from that background, or you have experience building Drupal 7 modules, uh, this is the class that you want to be looking at. Um, it's got a strong, um, uh, a strong base of Drupal Commerce. I'm mean, not Drupal Commerce, Drupal Console. Sorry, but well, Drupal, maybe we'll touch on Drupal Commerce. Probably not, but, um, Drupal Console, uh, we'll be using to scaffold all of our modules and build plugins. We've got a bunch of hands-on examples and it's, um, it's actually a, a, a pretty fun class. It's a lot of hands-on stuff. Um, and you get to hang out with Ted and myself, and I believe Ryan, you're going to be there as well, right? Uh, that's that's like an eighty-five percent yes. Okay, so possibly Ryan, maybe. Um, so check it out. You can you can go to uh, DrupalCon.org and um, click on trainings for DrupalCon New Orleans and sign up from there. And we'll of course have the link in the show notes. And um, other interesting news or big news is uh, Google Play has finally launched their podcast directory. Um, and Drupal Easy uh, podcast is, I think, we we're, we're the first podcast up there. So if you use Google Play or have an Android device um, or, you know, you're really into using uh, Chrome, then you can listen to our podcast now on Google Play. And we'll have the link in the show notes. Uh, I believe there's a Google Play client for uh, the iOS also? Oh, is it really? I had no idea. Yeah. I, I guess that makes sense. There's an iTunes client for, for Android, right? No. Oh, really? Absolutely not. See, this is how insulated I am in my little Apple world. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Are, I don't know if we're getting to this later, Mike. Are we also going to talk about um, Reddit? Yes. I was going to mention that. I, I think, yeah, I have that. Don't, I believe I have that in the show notes somewhere. Um, or maybe I don't. Maybe I forgot about anyway, it. Yeah, let's mention that. If you I, if you know our our tag Drupal Easy Podcast and you're a redditor, you can join reddit.com slash is it slash r slash Drupal Easy Podcast? Is yes, that how it works? That is correct. Okay. Yeah. So we'll be um uh let me just 
we'll be saving stories there uh, in between podcasts and um, you know, feel free to go there and vote up stories that you want us to, uh, to cover and comment on, uh, on future podcasts. So, all right, let's move on into three stories. Uh, the big story. So today we're recording on April 21st. The big story is that today, uh, Drupal 8.1 is now available. So this is the first of what's probably going to be many, um, uh, minor releases for Drupal 8, um, when we moved from Drupal 7 to Drupal 8, we now have uh, major releases, which are your first number, the 7 to 8, and eventually to 9. We have minor releases, which are the, the first number after the first period. And then we have the uh, maintenance releases, which are that third number. We've had a bunch of, I think we've had six maintenance releases up to now for Drupal 8. Um, today is the first minor release, and the big change in the Drupal community with the minor uh, releases is the fact that minor releases are going to actually include new features. So new features in Drupal 8.1 include um, uh, better migration support. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, one of the underlying parts of how migration classes are handled has changed between Drupal 8.0 and 8.1, uh, obviously for the better. Um, then, uh, as well as there is now an actual user interface for migrations in Drupal 8 core. Um, previously, you had to uh, use a contributed module for that. Big pipe is, is now in core, improvements to CK editor and the Tor module, um, and a bunch of other uh, um, improvements as well. So this is kind of uh, what we're going to be looking at moving forward. I believe these minor releases are every th uh, three months, because we had a, yeah, oh, every six months, maybe. I believe it's every six months because November to April, that feels like six months. Um, so we always have something to look forward to for new features in, in, in Drupal core, as opposed to the long wait that we had between seven and eight. Well, and that was probably one of the reasons why Drupal core development probably felt less accessible is because you could work on something that wouldn't see the light of day for like five years. Right. Right. And so it, there just felt like it was I, th I think for me, at least, that was one of the things that made it seem like it was just way too, you know, uh, scary, I guess, is that you you wouldn't get to test it out in the real world for five years. Yeah, it was a big commitment. It was a big just time commitment, knowing that you'd be working on stuff and, you and you know, if you want to see it through, it's it's going to be a while before you can see that through. So, um Obviously, the upgrade path is pretty clean from Drupal 8.0 to 8.1. Um, as always, you want to read the release notes for any gotchas. I don't think there's any major gotchas that um, I'm aware of, but again, this is only the first day. So, Ted, you, have you been using 8.1 in um, with the module acceleration program when you're, when you're working on um, Drupal 8 modules? Are you working against 8.1? Yeah, I feel like with um, inline entity form, we were going against 8.1 and... Um, some stuff now 8.2. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's, or it was, there was a couple of features that are like long sort of term stuff, mm. but yeah, yeah, I think switch to 8.1 a while ago. And if you're, you know, if you're developing a site even, I think, and you know, it's not going to be out till, uh, the summer or something. If you were even for developing it back in, in the, um, January or something, you might've thought of switching to 8.1. Anything from on the developer experience side of things or any API, you know, improvements that you've uh, run across in 8.1 versus 8.0? I haven't noticed anything, but um, I think we were only using it um, 
because I don't know if all of commerce is against 8.1, but I thought inline entity form was because we knew it wasn't going to be out, you know, in a, in a stable like 1.0 release before 8.1 is released. So why not go against that instead of having yeah. to worry about switching later? We did the same, Ted. So 8.1 for commerce as well. Right. Makes sense. Very good. Um, next story, Ted, you want to take this one? Sure. So this is an issue on Drupal.org called Unify and Simplify the Render Theme System, Component-Based Rendering. Uh, so this is by Wim Lears, and he is basically laying out a plan for trying to unify things because there's a whole bunch of different ways to do things in um, in rendering in, in, the, in Drupal 8, or I guess... Yeah, some of this stuff is new to Drupal 8 and trying to say, okay, let's switch it all to components. And I think one simple example or simple-ish example is the idea between a, the pound type and pound theme and, and when to use one or the other. So we have render elements, then we have um, theme, uh, designating a theme, which is a twig template. So it's a really well laid out issue as far as like near-term goals and then... Um, future goals and part of it also is replacing from my understanding hook theme with yaml files for each of the components so um it seems to be getting really good reception and it's sort of laid out in phases as far as you know um backward compatibility phase where moving new stuff to components but still support type and theme but then later on just how have everything be components and also make it easier to make um style guides. I mean, this um, would so be... It looks... Well, go ahead. I'm sorry, Ted. I thought you were, you were, you were done. No, I'm done. I was going to say, this looks to be a, a, a major, major change. You know, if this, you know, if this progresses and gets accepted and, and everything works out, um, potentially as big, if not bigger of a change than we just went through going from PHP template to Twig. Um, it's not really changing. We'd still be using Twig, but just the way... Um, themes are put together, I feel like this would be, you know, a pretty big change. Maybe not themes, but template files. Yeah. Kind of so bundling see- the CSS and the metadata and the template file in a thing. And then yeah. you have a bunch of those, you know, for lack of a better word, bundles. I mean, I could see you could look at it as it's a major th- uh, change, but then if you if you also you could look at it as imagine what it would be like uh, when it's finished and try to think of like a new developer coming to either system. And it seems like the system that will be made will be, you know, a lot easier to understand. Whereas I think a lot of people with, I mean, I like the move to Symphony, but I could see how people can look at it and be like, whoa, it's just so much more complex. Um, but I think... You know, this is a system that the end goal is something that's, in some sense, is less complex. Well, but it also it feels like a continuation of the work that we did going from seven to eight because yeah, I mean, I'm a strong believer that theming in Drupal eight is much easier than theming in mm-hmm. Drupal seven. Um, yeah, you know, I take, take away myself, the front all yeah. the front end tools. You know, there, there's that overhead from you know front end tools are becoming more mature so a lot of people are are, are using you know a, a preprocessor and um a, a dependency manager and a task runner and, and things like that uh, but just looking at the drupal side of things you know it's a heck of a lot easier to override a template file in drupal 8 than it was in drupal 7 we don't have to worry about theme functions in drupal 8 anymore that, like we did in drupal 7 um 
And this just feels like, you know, an evolution of that from where we are, you know, now to, you know, what's next? What's the, how next should theming in, in Drupal evolve? And, um, it's a really interesting proposal. And I mean, it's, it's just the, the issue description is, you know, it's not two or three paragraphs. It's, it's quite it's a, a novel. Yeah. It's a novel with some really good examples and, um, you can tell, you know, Wim, we've had Wim on the podcast. I mean, super, obviously super smart guy. Um, but he's, he's really laid out a nice case, um, for this. And he actually has a proof of concept working as well in the form of a, of a patch. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was his idea or somebody in the ish in the comments, um, and related to what sort of Ryan was talking about with their moving to, to export stuff to libraries is the idea that, you know, maybe make this component system actually Drupal independent, that Drupal would just use it. And, um, which I think would be interesting. I don't know enough about the subject right now to weigh in on, you know, the benefits or. It or sounds not familiar. It sounds like we just talked about yep. something like that. Yep. Yeah. So this, this would be, I kind of feel like that was in the comments, but I'm sure my, uh, my Larry Garfield might have brought that up. I'm not sure. <laughs> Larry basically said, this is all great. But you need to get off the island. That was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's definitely like even like, I think, um, you know, sometimes if you're, if you're not in core development and you're trying to read, catch up with an issue, it's kind of difficult because there's so many comments. I think this is nice if you just want to read. I mean, the comments are great, but also I think, like you said, the issue itself, you could just read through that and sort yeah. of get an idea of, you know, where to, where things might go. Yeah, if you're a front-end developer, this is kind of a, a must-read for you. And, you know, depending on how how hardcore you are, you know, that's how far down into the comments you get. Yeah. If I could drag this out just a little bit. Drag longer, it out. You know, when I started reading this, it, it, it made me think again, you know, what about the people that are beating the, the headless drum? Um, oh, I like that. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> cause it's kind of futile cause the drum has no head, but anyway, uh, you know, what about those people? Like, does this help them in any way or are, are they still just going to leave all of the steaming stuff in the dust when they write their Ember apps? And apparently, um, he does address this, um, it's the paragraph starts with, we started working on an experiment at Acquia where we worked with the Angular and Ember JS teams to do a prototype of a better commenting experience. So like leaving comments on a blog post or something like that. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you because it's here on this blog post and you can go check it out or sorry on the issue. Um, but it's, it's a good, like, you know, 300 words. Um, and it does say that this, this is a step towards making it easier to, have those um, external JavaScript applications work with Drupal and the existing templates, but um, it's not a it's not an answer. But it it would it would make it easier to work with, you know, having to only write the template once and still have these other apps be able to use it because they would actually know about the templates. Yeah, I think this is definitely a sort of extension of you know, uh, Preston was on the podcast a few weeks ago, and so. You know, whether, you know, whatever happens on the client side framework, um, front, you know, this would definitely be something that would make that work easier or more standard. Yeah. It's funny because I wasn't even looking at it from that perspective when I read the issue, just the issue summary. Um, 
but knowing that, I mean, that's, you know, that's even more the reason that, that this, you know, is something that should probably be considered seriously. Yeah. The, the, the basic problem is that um, right now, if you look at a piece of HTML, unless you have the, the theme debug flag on, uh, there is no way of knowing which template rendered which thing. So uh, that makes it really, really hard for a JavaScript application to understand anything about Drupal's theming system. All right, last story. Um, so just uh, one quick note here. I, we, I actually chose this story before I uh, found out that my Drop Wizard was going to be the sponsor of this podcast. Uh, so this blog post is from David Snowpeck from My Drop Wizard. It's actually a blog uh, post on mydropwizard.com. Kind of a fun BuzzFeedy type of title to the post, Why You Shouldn't Upgrade from Drupal 6. Um, and, you know, it, it, it makes a lot of sense that if you're on Drupal 6 right now and you've got a, you know, a complex site, you probably shouldn't upgrade away from Drupal 6 to Drupal 7, um, especially if you want to move to 8 anytime in the near future. Um, maybe just hang on on Drupal 6 for another few months, wait till the modules you need in Drupal 8 are ready, and then go directly from 6 to 8. Um, so he kind of lays it all out here. It's, it's a lot of good common sense um, that if you're on a Drupal 6 site, you really need to make a good decision here um, as far as, you know, what are you going to do next? Are you going to go to 7 or 8? And you can almost take some of this advice. And if you're, if you're starting a new Drupal site or moving from, you know, some other content management system into Drupal, um, you know, in the near future, a, a lot of the, the discussion in this blog post is uh, still – Valid as far as, you know, do you go into Drupal 7 or Drupal 8? And it's just a matter of, you know, what's your timeline? Uh, how patient are you? And, you know, what would your minimum viable product uh, look like? Can you get away with some of the fancier um, or maybe more uh, complex features until the necessary modules are available? So just to be clear, no new Drupal sites in Drupal 6, though. Um, well, I'm sure, you know, as, uh, as someone who, uh, you know, as David is someone who, uh, you know, supports Drupal 6 sites, I, you know, I'm not sure if he would agree with that statement, Ted. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm talking sure, against uh, our sponsor. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but our sponsor, of course, supports both uh, 6, 7, and 8. So nothing to worry about there. So check it out. That, that article will have the link in the show notes as well. So, uh, picks of the week. Uh, Ted, you want to go first? Uh, so my pick is, it's a DrupalCon session by David Hernandez. And I'm probably going to, I met her in Princeton, but I'm probably going to butcher her name. Uh, Kalapana. Um, Ghoul. G-O-E-L. Um, Anyways, it looks like a very interesting um, conversation that they're going to have. I think this is a core conversation session. Is size just a number reflecting on community growth, mentoring, and where we spend our efforts? So basically looking at, you know, growing contributors, is it always good to, to try to, to increase numbers regardless of, you know, how that complicates stuff? So, um, yeah, I definitely hope to attend this. Um, yep, that's my pick. All right, very good. Um, I'll go next here because I see Ryan furiously typing in the show notes here. Mine's nice and simple. I'm I'm actually in the middle of um, writing um, a new workshop for Drupal 8 theming. I've decided to base it on the Bootstrap base theme. 
mainly because I've, I've found that um, it's in pretty good shape. And one of the maintainers, or I guess the main maintainer, Mark Carver, has been incredibly responsive in the issue queue. Um, and it looks like, you know, as far as I can tell, if you need to uh, build a theme in Drupal 8 and, and you've decided you want to use a base theme or a contrib base theme, I should say, as opposed to using uh, classy or, um, or stable that are out of Drupal core, um, Bootstrap is, uh, for Drupal 8 looks to be uh, a, a really nice way to uh, way to go. Um, it's got obviously great support outside of the Drupal community as well. Um, it, it's a great open source project on our own, and the base theme integrates it nicely with uh, with Drupal 8. So definitely check that out if you are interested in theming. Mr. Price. Yeah, um, this one I actually I was going to make a pick of the week quite some time ago, and I just haven't really been on the show that much. Um, it is uh, if you haven't used the registry rebuild function for Drush yet, uh, it's just really super awesome. But uh, at my job at FFW, we actually have some sites that when you move them from the development site down to your laptop or vice versa. Even after you do a registry re- rebuild, there's there's still a couple of things in there that uh, don't exactly get cleared out. So they have an option for Drush RR, which is called Fire Bazooka. And that goes through registry rebuild A, registry rebuild B, and then a third one, which doesn't normally run. And that, like, I don't know, it's like the deep clean you know, when you really, when you really need to rebuild your registry and, uh, you, if you don't know about it and you're still having issues when you move sites from one environment to another, it is literally dash dash fire dash bazooka after drush RR. Uh, it is right on the homepage of the, of the registry rebuild project, which you might not even realize that it is a Drupal.org project because you might've just installed it one day and never looked back, but um, it's one thing that on every server, if I go set up a new server, I test out Drush RR to see if it's been installed yet. And if it hasn't been installed, then I definitely uh, Drush download it right away. So uh, worth your time to know about this so command. What exactly does the Fire Bazooka part do? You said it runs it a third time, but does that like clear out like the system table before it it um, you know scans the module and theme directories or any idea what? That. Yeah, it's 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 something like that. I mean, basically, there's a the, the the problem that we have specifically is there's a module that does field level encryption, and it uses a certain method when it's up on the Acquia server, and it it uses a different method when it's down on our laptop because we don't have the same secret keys. So um, we actually have to do a couple of things. We have to do a Drush variable set, and then we have to run this Fire Bazooka in order to not get fatal errors everywhere because it's looking for a library that doesn't exist. Okay. And a regular regular registry rebuild will not clear this library out of the registry. Only the bazooka will. And that's only Drupal 7, right? This is a Drupal 7 thing. Um, I, I haven't specifically experienced this on Drupal 8, but I imagine that the cache rebuild in Drupal 8 probably does something very similar to what registry rebuild is doing, so... All right, Mr. Zrama. Well, um, I, I kind of get the impression that the pick of the week can kind of be an idea or something that you've done recently. It be whatever you want it to be. Whatever I want it to be, okay. Yes. Um, it's not Listerine, although I do advocate uh, mouthwash alongside <laughs> of flossing. Um, 
I actually had uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Cloudflare, but I'm kind of picking on them, but also giving them some props. Um, so I, I use Cloudflare, you know, even on simple sites just to get a free SSL certificate out of them. Um, you know, if it's just a kind of a throwaway thing. Um, but I, I had an issue with a deployment recently where I, where I had two really mysterious problems preventing me from running this long-running import process through Drupal's batch. Okay, so the first was my batch process would fail to initialize because the site was in mixed-mode SSL where you have, like, parts of the website are protected via HTTP, then parts are... H- I'm sorry, not protected. And then parts are protected via HTTPS. And I was using the secure pages module, of course, to determine which parts should be protected and which parts shouldn't. Well, the batch would never initialize if it had to jump from HTTPS to HTTP. I didn't bother to figure out why. But once I did, you know, figure out that was the problem, I was able to exclude the uh, the path I needed and, you know, set off my batch process. But then I just, I had this weird timeout issue where, I, like, the, the batch process would maybe get so far and then just fail, and I have this, you know, read the garbled error text that the batch processor spits out. And I, and I was getting a 524 response code from Cloudflare. Um, and it was just saying that my site was unreachable. And I was like, well, shoot. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not hitting the timeout. I look in my php.ini. Um, the previous developer had set the timeout to 66,000 seconds. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I was pretty sure that wasn't the issue. Um and, and I was like, well, maybe it's something at Cloudflare, like, getting in the way. And apparently, it actually is. They have a 100-second timeout, regardless of what your PHP um, uh, timeout setting is. So if you're ever doing a long-running process and you're using Cloudflare on the domain, which is pretty common in the Drupal world, um, you may hit a 524, and it's coming from Cloudflare, not from your site. So you can just sort of disable Cloudflare on that DNS record, um, and it'll, it'll work. And so I, I kind of... Honestly, I wasn't even whining. I was just like posting the discovery on Twitter. And like within minutes, um, somebody from Cloudflare is like, I don't know, their head of product or something and responded and was like, oh, here's the support article. And he's like, oh, well, dude, like actually that's the one that already helped me. But like, thanks for responding. And he's like, yeah, dude, I mean, if you have any other problems, here's my email address. And so I thought, you know, their, their product's always been good for me as a user, but it seems like they have somebody that's pretty on it. Yeah, that's like Twitter pretty good well. proactive support when you're not even asking yeah. for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, and I, I didn't even, I didn't even like at mention them, right? I wasn't trying to like, you know, totally shame. Them. I just put like the the company name, and so he's got some kind of a hyper obsessive uh, Twitter client, you know, waking him up in the middle of the night because it was probably like three a.m. I don't know. Yeah, it's not um, quite, um, it's not quite creepy, but it's, it's yeah, yeah, approaching. Yeah. You know, you can see the line Wait, of creepy, creepy from where he, he was. <laughs> he did come over for coffee this morning. Um, oh, uninvited. So we're trying yeah. to. Yeah, trying to defi- define some boundaries in our relationship now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned about Cloudflare uh, maybe about a year ago um, from uh, a contractor I brought on to help me troubleshoot some performance for a site. And ever since I kind of learned about it and saw how it worked, I I recommend it for all my clients. The new DrupalEasy.com uses it. It's, it's pretty Great, slick. Yeah. And it's great because you can actually um, have an – a completely secure site uh, by using their certificates, the Cloudflare yeah. certificate. So it's, yeah, it's it, it's not bad, not bad at yeah, all. Yeah, it's a, that poor man's SSL. I mean, yeah. at, at the end of the day, like you only have to buy like a ten dollar Komodo cert and upload it if you want to use it. But right. even if you don't have money to spend on an SSL cert or it's just a throwaway domain, you can use their free service and it's it's killer. Yep, absolutely. All right, good pick, good pick. All right, um, yes. where are we gonna be? 
coming up. I think we're all going to be in New Orleans. So that'll be fun. Less than a month. I think that's like two weeks away. That's, it's getting, I think our next podcast might be, well, I don't think it's going to be before. So it might be during or after. I have to look at that. Um, any other events that, that any of us are going to be at? I know I, I don't have anything definitive yet. DrupalCon New Orleans is kind of like the big Drupal event vacuum for the next uh, six or eight weeks. So, all right, well, check us out there in New Orleans. Um, There's a mini camp in Atlanta this Saturday, April 23rd. Yeah, the podcast will have is going to go out uh, after that. Okay. So, how Maybe was it? Was it awesome? It was awesome, down. though, right? Let's talk about it in the past tense. <laughs> I heard it rock. I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. All right, fantastic. Um, so let's start, uh, with, uh, Mr. Price. You still there? Yes, sir. How do people, how do people find you online? I am liberator without the last vowel. Uh, also haven't been, uh, posting too much other stuff lately, but, uh, when I do, I have a couple of other podcasts I've done in the past, some about theater or about, uh, art and technology, but uh, mostly lately, just uh, we've been hunting for houses in, in Portland. So uh, that's what's going on around here with me. All right. And Mr. Bowen, where can people find you? Well, uh, Ted Bow on Twitter. Uh, and for a couple more days, sixmiletech.com until I shut it down. <laughs> was there an announcement? I, I was ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shutting down sixmiletech.com, uh, brief, uh, shortly and moving over to Acquia to, <laughs> to uh, work in the Octo department. So I'm pretty psyched about that. Outstanding. So, Outstanding. Yeah. So, so we're congrats. working on Drupal 8. So hopefully I'll have a, something on their site, I suppose. <laughs> so are you saying goodbye to Ithaca? We must know. No, no. It's a, it's a remote job. I'm actually going to Boston next week, but, uh, mostly it'll be remote. Yep. Over the internets. That's amazing. You get to work over the internets like that. So congratulations, Ted. That's a, that's thanks, a thanks. fun yeah. opportunity. But yeah, you'll still be at Ted Bo on Twitter. So, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, that'll be me. And Ryan's Rama, where can people find you online? Online, I'm probably most active on Twitter, at Ryan's Rama. Um, of course, we're somewhat blogging and keeping DrupalCommerce.org and CommerceGuys.com up to date. Yeah, I don't know if we mentioned that specifically, but I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the best place to kind of stay up to date with Drupal Commerce is, is the um, the DrupalCommerce.org blog, I've yeah. found. Is that, yeah. Do you agree? Okay. Yep, still true. I mean, um, various ones of us may occasionally post like tangential articles on our personal blogs. Um, ideally, I think we're going to try to start kind of cross-posting those to the, the quote-unquote official blog, so those are all kind of discoverable in the same area. Let, let me ask another question about your last name. Is it a combination of S and Z? Because I just I was listening very closely to way, to the way you just said your last name. <laughs> it sounds like the S uh, might be silent the way you just said yeah, it. Yeah, I, I do a silent S. Um, that is incorrect. Uh, oh. My father has adopted a more German pronunciation since I moved out of the house, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he says Schramma now. Um, but I actually oh. met a Polish guy here in Greenville, and I was pitching him on an e-commerce site, and he uh, he had an S-Z in his name, and he pronounces it Leszek. So apparently my last name would be Schramma. Um, but I'm going to stick with Zerama because, you know, 
habits and all that. It sounds like Ted wasn't so far off when he called you <laughs> Ryan Schwarma. Yeah, yeah. If, if you mix the uh, switch the R and the A, you can get a shawarma out of it. Yeah, uh, Ryan, I think you need to apologize to Ted or uh, Ryan Price. Whoa, whoa, that I, you were the one that called. Oh, sorry, no, Ryan Price. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ted, I doff my hat to you, sir. I, uh, I meant I, no disrespect. I claim dyslexia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, as always, you can catch uh, Drupal Easy at Drupal Easy on Twitter, and I am Ultimike pretty much everywhere. It's time for five questions, which I don't believe you've ever done this before because I went back through the archives, and for the life of me, I don't see how this can be right, but I have you appearing on episode four and episode 27 which means you haven't been here for like three years and maybe that's right but man um, i it's been a while what was what was episode four was that in the conference hall at DrupalCon dc i'd have to go back and look i just wrote down the numbers okay. yeah well, i think that's, yeah, that's, actually that's, you might be absolutely right on that one i think that was a, a roving uh ryan price yeah. one I remember you had like that neat little tripod for his mic and set it up on some random room we found. Yeah. Um, so yeah, five questions. All right, yeah, ready? Here we go. Uh, name something interesting you do outside of Drupal. Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's the gotcha. Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, if, maybe if you I'm like not... skydive or yeah, yeah. If, if I'm not working right now, I'm mostly taking care of kids and a new puppy, but. I, I do have a love for kayaking, and um, I bought an Isuzu Trooper last year for cash from some joker in um, Buckhead, Atlanta, and finally got it lifted and put a roof rack on top and borrowed a buddy's kayak, and it's it's heaven, so I hope to do more of that. And I, I find it interesting. Maybe it's not so fun for other people. No, I'm but not saying having, that having a Having a big, loud, noisy truck was definitely on my bucket list, and and the trooper is obnoxious. So, did you put like a, a custom horn on it, or you have the stock horn? I, you know, actually, my horn doesn't even work right now oh, unless geez. I'm inside at a coffee shop working, and then it just starts to go off until <laughs> I go open and close a door. Um, so, I, I need to sort that gremlin out. Yeah. Um, but also, I don't have a tailpipe, and I'm pretty sure the muffler is is not doing anything. So that that helps. <laughs> Wow, you're quite the badass driving around Greenville. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. At least you're easy to find. That's how the guy from Cloudflare <laughs> can track you down. So it's obvious now. Uh, name the last piece of software that you installed. And it doesn't matter, oh, you know, the device. Okay, was it on my phone? Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to give a shout-out, I think. No, I can't. I can't. Okay. Um, the last piece of software I probably installed was Clash Royale. I am a big Clash of Clans fan. And um, I have since deleted it because I needed the space for pictures of my puppy. Um, but I'm pretty sure that was the last piece of software I installed. All right. Fair enough. Um, what's a goal that you have uh, that you have not accomplished yet, but is definitely a goal of yours, but is a bit terrifying for you? Not something um, that you haven't that you haven't reached because of time or some other external factor, but just because of, wow, that's really kind of, you know, scary for, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Good night. We delve deep here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can lie down yeah. if you want. Lie down. And yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me, and... I need a, I need a cold rag for my forehead. If yep. you don't mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I, I want to change careers and, um, I, I want to do something in like, the physical world that's that's tangible and, and creates a space that people can enter into and enjoy. 
um, my, my two favorite places in Greenville are, um, methodical coffee, which is a, which is a phenomenal coffee shop. I I'd say it's like a, a non roastery version, um, of sight glass in San Francisco in the mission district. Um, but instead of the sort of like industrial chic that they have going on, it's, it's much more like, um, white marble, like Etsy finesse kind of design mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with fantastic coffee. They actually were the first in the Southeast, I think to get a, uh, um, a Slayer espresso machine, which are all hand built out of Seattle, and and of course, as soon as I said that, somebody's going to come on and comment that I'm wrong. There is one in Nashville, yes, but I wasn't counting them in the southeast, um, and I'm sure there are some elsewhere. But whatever. Um, so I I love their space. I probably I don't know if I would open a coffee shop, but I, I would love to be able to retire as a developer and become a barista. Um, but I, but I also wouldn't mind something in the beer scene. I, I love the Community Tap, which is a beer garden and craft beer store near my house. And they just, they really rock that sort of community vibe. And like, just, just like a cozy space to go and have a fantastic beer and hang with your friends. Um, so those are, those are kind of like scary goals, but I, I think I'd like to do that in some, someday. If it, if it's not a space that people actually come to as patrons, um, you know, it could just be my sort of dream of a, of a 10 acre farm outside of Portland where I can retire near my father and, uh, kind of grow old with him making wine and beer from grapes and hops that we grow on the property. So I'm going to put down beverage professional. That works. But I want to make sure people understand you're looking, you're aiming higher than becoming a waiter. <laughs> and I also want to tell yeah. you, I think we, I'm going to change the subject really quickly here because we're, we're dodging a bullet about coffee because if we get Ted talking about coffee, then <laughs> oh yeah, we got another three hours uh, on this podcast. So I, I do want to take a note of that. I actually flew into Greenville uh, oh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, I, okay. I didn't oh, know man. that was there. Yeah, well, you should have looked me up too. I totally would have taken you. They're, they're fantastic. So um, they're actually about to start roasting and I'm trying to get them to use Triple Commerce to sell their coffees. Um, but if, if you just do a Google search for Will Shirts, you'll see he's the, he's kind of like the, the brainchild behind the coffee program there. One of three partners. The other two are an Etsy designer, hence the Etsy finesse sort of, you know, design. And then a, uh, just a local businessman. Um, they're fantastic guys. And, and, you know, they, they do make a fine cup of Joe. And it's from, from roasters you would know, Ted, like, um, Ceremony or, um, Huckleberry, um, Onyx, uh, Verve and a few others. Um, then of course they'll start to serve their own coffee as well. And Steadfast. I don't know if you know Steadfast. They're pretty recent out of Nashville, um, came out of Barista Parlor. But... All right. How can I end this conversation without sounding rude? That's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> What's the last exotic animal? <laughs> yes. What's the last exotic animal that you've hand fed? Okay. Well, so I, I did hand feed llamas recently oh, um, at right. a farm near here. I, I guess those are kind of exotic. They're, they're also kind of my power animal. I'm alongside of wombats. So that's a good we, one. I, we actually only accept answers for animals that could kill you. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, I, I'm just kidding. Did you get enough llamas I, I together? Fed, you know, they can organize um, my, uh, my puppy is kind of exotic. It's a half Great Pyrenees, half standard poodle, and I hand-fed that this morning. That's pretty exotic. It could kill me in a couple of years. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, all right, finally, what was your tipping point Drupal moment? And DrupalCon the- Barcelona. Oh, really? Yeah. That's specific. So the first one, though, you're talking about, right? Yes, sir, yeah. Yeah, yeah DrupalCon Barcelona 2007. Um, so up until that time, I'd been developing Ubercard essentially in a 
in a vacuum. Um, you know, we had like a little ubercart.org site. I didn't really know how to be a part of the Drupal community at the time. Um, I had gone on to IRC once or twice and got shouted at. And so I kind of got turned off. And so really just like didn't, didn't know, you know, what the Drupal community was like. Um, I get married in 07 and my boss sends me and my wife to Barcelona as a wedding gift, which was incredibly generous. And, um, that was Andy Lowe from Prima Supply, the guy that sort of, um, sort of tasked me to write Ubercard. And so I wrote it while I was working for him and going to Barcelona and finding out that, Hey, like actually everybody here knows who I am and what my code does was like mind blowing. Um, that there were people from like all these different countries that knew Ubercart that had built stores on it and that, you know, of course had feature requests, <laughs> which resulted in some scope creep before 1.x was released. Um, I think, for example, you have Jeff Robbins to thank for the UC file module being a part of Ubercart core. He's like, hey, what if it did file downloads? And I said, ah, sure, why not? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's, you know, a year and a half later before we had a release. But like that was where like I became hooked. And um, ever since then, I've gone to every single DrupalCon I can. I've missed two now due to children. And I'm I'm basically not going to have any children until they stop having DrupalCons. Because I don't want that to happen again. <laughs> Seems um, like a reasonable plan, yes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And honestly, three is a good number. So we'll we'll see what happens. How old are your kids? Um, Pretty young. My right? daughter, Eowyn, is six. Son, William, is almost four. And then um, baby Patrick was was born about six months ago. And a puppy. That is one That's busy right. house. And a puppy. Um, yeah. Honestly, she was an impulse buy. We kind of wanted a, a poodle half-breed. Um, and uh, just kind of pulled the trigger, because why not? All right. Very good. You, you Honestly, you, you, can't, you can't get more chaotic than, like, three children. So like you can yeah. add to the chaos, but it kind of just gets lost in the noise. Yeah, I've uh, I heard a saying a long time ago that you know one one kid is a hobby, and two or more, then that's when you have a family. Yeah, that's when <laughs> you know because there's always something going on. Yeah, you know, there, there's never any time where it's like quiet in the house unless no one's home. So at least that's <laughs> been my experience. All right, let's wrap this up uh, real quick. Let me once again, uh, not once again, but let me mention webenable.com and devpanel.com, longtime sponsors of the Drupal Easy podcast. Build, manage, and deploy your sites using webenable.com and devpanel.com. If you want to listen to uh, the podcast regularly, you can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play and Miro and Stitcher and pretty much all the other podcast aggregation platforms. If you want to disagree with anything Ted said today, you can call uh, plus one in the U.S., 321-396-2340. And if you have a story that uh, you'd like us to take a look at for potential inclusion in future podcasts, you can add it to our Reddit page at uh, reddit.com slash r slash Drupal Easy Podcast. So, Mr. Uh, Zrama, or Mr. Zrama, no S, or Mr. Schwarma, <laughs> if Ted's saying it, or Mr. If you're hungry. Yes, if, well, <laughs> that's true. Um, thank you very much for, for taking the time out today and getting everyone up to speed on not only Commerce Guys and, and what's going on there, but also um, with uh, Drupal Commerce. And we look forward to your and, and Boyan's presentations in New Orleans. Good deal. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Cool. Great to talk to you again. Ted, uh, congrats one more time. Thanks. Yep. All right. And Mr. Price had to, had to drop out early. I guess he had a work commitment he had to hop on. 
So I guess we'll wrap things up there and we'll see everybody on the next episode of the Drupal Easy Podcast. See ya!